This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and does not replace your own professional financial, legal, or tax advice. Welcome to part B of my insurance interview with Graham Hedges from Hedges Asset Planning. Graham has been an insurance and financial advisor for decades and has helped a long list of doctors protect and grow their wealth. In this part, Graham walks us through the process of getting a new policy, reviewing an existing policy, and how you can save money on your insurance premium. We finish up with Graham answering some listener questions. If you haven't listened to episode 47A, I recommend listening to that first, where we cover the important changes that are happening to income protection policies in October this year. Yep. So let's move on to then about to talk about getting a new policy uh, mm-hmm. signed up. You've got uh, many doctors as clients, as we've already discussed. At what mm-hmm. stage? Oh, well, as junior doctors, most of the time we just have the super ticks along um, with the policies inside. At what stage of a doctor's career does it make sense to get a policy outside of super? Uh, once again, it's a lot of the ones that usually use super is purely for cash flow. Um, I, I, you know, t- on a tax wise, it's not most tax effective way of doing it because the super fund only gets uh, up to 15% tax deduction. While outside, if you're funding it, it's virtually, you know, 40 odd, 46% of the premium you'll get as a deduction, depending on your marginal tax rate, I suppose. But, um, if you, if you pay for it out of your own cash flow, it's more tax effective doing that way. Plus also the, uh, the insurer, uh, insurance company doesn't have to deal with the super fund trustee either. So if you have a payout and you can claim you, the money will be paid into your super fund. And then you've got to satisfy the trustee to have that money paid out of the super fund to yourself. Now, depending on the super trust of, you know, it could be a, uh, could be Zurich, could be Hester, it could be um, Australian Super, whatever. Everyone has a different trustee, different definitions. So there's, the best thing, if you can, is to have your own income protection in in your own name outside of Super. Claim the premium as a tax deduction, which is great, and then you've got more control of um, how you know getting paid and and what coverages you have. Also in Super as well, they lose a lot of features which aren't allowed to be in there under APRA. Right, that's interesting. So I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, obviously the the tax deduction is a big thing. That say, you know, if you're on top tax rate versus mm. the fifteen, that's in super. But then the release of, of your funds is another yeah. hurdle you have to uh, yep. to to meet as well. Got two hurdles to jump now instead of the one, so it makes it a little bit trickier. Mm. And so, what do you do as an insurance advisor um, when someone wants to, um, you know, assess whether they should sign up for private? Um, for insurance, personal insurance outside of super, and can you walk us through the process of signing up for insurance? Yeah, no problems, Andrew. Um, the first consult is there's no cost at all to to um, to to uh, our hopefully potential clients. Uh, we like to I like to catch up and either over the phone, over Zoom, or over face to face. We we have quite a few clients on the Eastern Seaboard anyway, so we usually go to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and all that once a year or so. We can catch up with people, but regardless, the the first initial appointment is that we just have a chat to see what their needs are, what they're looking for, and uh, what we can do for them. And it also gives us a, a way of um, them assessing if they want to deal with me or deal with us, you know, because part of the uh, the 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 whole process is the relationship, not just getting the right product. You know, it's no good dealing with someone you don't like, but you're getting the best advice. So you want to try and see if that's there's a fit there as well. Um, so once that's happening, we we find out what they what the needs are. We I collect the information that's needed. Um, usually the debts, assets, liabilities, income, the the goals, what they 
plan to do, family, kids, stuff like that. Um, we then produce a statement of advice, which is you have to do that, that by law, and um, that will um, have all the recommendations in there for what we're recommending, plus also I consider alternate strategies and also alternate alternate products. So instead of looking at one company's income protection, I'll, I'll give you a comparison, maybe another two. So you've got three comparisons, and then I'll give you the recommendations why I thought that's the best for you. Um all, all insurance, we, we charge a fee for that, um, which is $1,500. It's a once-off fee. And all insurance companies pay uh, a brokerage to or a commission, you may say, to um, to all advisors around the place. It's the same level. So there's no incentive to go with XYZ over ABC because XYZ pays more as a higher percentage. So it's all pretty on, on board and we disclose everything like that. And then um, if that's accepted by, uh, by the client, um, we then – initiate um, the application we organize blood tests and any medicals needed and in some cases they need you know ECGs now because it's large sums insured that they go go through and plus all for financials so if they're um, we need to talk to their accounts and, and get their financials from if they're in a practice or whatever and that will then get the ball rolling and then over a period of time it's not quick the because it's the, the slow part is usually getting the information from the, the blood testing company or their own personal GP. But once that's all done, the insurance companies are pretty quick to assess things. And then we could have that policy issued to them anywhere up to, you know, four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks, depending on how long it takes, but usually within a month or so. Yeah, so about a month lifetime because any blood tests and those results and everything have to come back as well, don't they, to be correct? Yeah, um, yep. for the underwriting uh, company. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they do. Uh, some of them, we, one of the companies we use, uh, well, one of them can be quite slow, uh, but there's another company which is quite quick. So, you know, we try and use that one over the other one. Right. And because obviously with the changes coming up in October this year, it doesn't leave a huge amount of time for people if they haven't really uh, um, looked at um, their insurance policies uh, mm. to, to sign up. And just talk me through the own occupation than any occupation. Say if someone signs up as, say, a junior trainee or tra- mm-hmm. in somewhere in their training program to be a surgeon. They're not a surgeon yet, uh, but they are a doctor with an MBBS. How, mm-hmm. does, how does their own occupation get decided on? Because they're not truly a surgeon. No, but what they what, what most of the insurers that we deal with, um, they they. they they look at them being a doctor and then they find out what they're studying for, you know, whether it's a radiologist or whatever. So then that's the, they know that's the path they're going to go. So that's, they virtually get the own occupation straight away uh, with the presumption of that being built into it, that they're going to become a radiologist and not a, um, another, another, um, uh, another occupation in the industry. Yeah. So they're, because they're already on that track and pathway, that's, yep. that's what's um, yep. deemed as their own occupation. Okay. Yeah. And some of the insurers, speaking of own occupation, some of the insurance for the lump sum TPD, there's, um, there's sometimes a, a waiting period of three to six months before they class you as own, uh, totally disabled. So even if you have an own occupation, some insurers may wait you up to six months, but there's also some insurers we use that look at specific occupations and, and, and medicos are one of them that they have a day one payout for um, TPD. So um, depending on that policy they got, they may not wear of it. They may have a day one trigger for a TPD on occupation. Right. And so within the medical fraternity itself, are mm-hmm. there specifically different risks um, that are taken into account by insurance companies? So tell me whether you're a surgeon, an anesthetist or, or a GP, where you may not necessarily have um, exposure to um, you know, infection risk? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, but they do... They they do know what um you know what 
occupations will have what kind of claims or whether it's you know if, um you know which which occupations are more subsequent to say depression more to, to back injuries more to that so they know that they've really rated that in the premiums but to uh, going forward no not no more off okay good and so with um, income protection there's the waiting period the benefit period and then the step to level um premiums can you just mm-hmm. explain a little bit about what the common waiting periods and benefit periods are Yep. Okay. Um, the waiting periods anywhere from fourteen days, but you're, you're terrible. You're paying a lot of money for that because really, what they're saying is the the claim will be accepted on the fifteenth day. There, most people go for um, thirty days, but you can actually blow that out to some companies go up to two years now. So you can tie in um, depending on you know. Uh, what occupation, what your assets are, you may have quite a bit of money to have access to. You may want to go for a 90-day wait thinking, okay, well, my first payment will be 120 days because you always get paid in arrears. So if you have a 90-day excess or waiting period, that's when the claim will start and then the first check will hit your account a month later, which is 120 days. But you may have a, a nice, sizable, um, liquid amount of money to, to lean on in the bank to get you, you through that period, or your spouse may be still working as well. Um, two-year waiting period is is quite rare. That's usually only used if someone's um, um, linked into um, a, an employee where they got long-term sick cover and annual leave and, and long service leave built in, stuff like that you can use. So if you're an employee of a, country, of a company, you can actually have that um, built into it for a while. But most people in the nutshell go between the 30 and the 90 day, and that's usually balanced on premium cost. Is there a rough rule of thumb as to what going from a 30 to a 90 day premium might reduce the uh, income protection policy? Um, around about 14 to 18%, I'd say. The the biggest drop will be from 30 days to 90 days. There's a 60 day wait too, but it's not much of a, a price saving. But then going from a 90 day to 180 days, so three to six months, it's not much of a saving either. You're talking a few percent. So the biggest drop in pricing is from the 30 to the 90 days. Right. Okay. And benefit periods, what's, mm-hmm. um, what's a standard? Uh, payout period for uh, income protection? Uh, well, most people try and get as long as possible. Um, if you've got a five-year be- uh, waiting period and you're 38 and you have a claim at age 40 from no fault or you're in a car accident, you could be rushing to work one night and some kids are stolen the car through a red light and bang. Or you may have a, you know, 92% of claims are sickness-related. So that's something you don't expect to get. Or it comes out of the blue and gets you. It could be depression. It could be cancer, whatever. If something's on there long-term and you can't work um, after five years and you're only, say, 40, that's uh, you, you You'd be in a financial mess personally unless you've you know got parents that can help you out or friends or whatever charitable work whatever. But um, having an age sixty five benefit period or possibly seventy if you can get it, it gives you that peace of mind that if you can't work long term, you know that they will have that income coming in to at least keep the the plans for the family intact. In what you would want to do, it may not be the best quality. You may not be able to have a trip overseas and all that every five uh, every year, but. Um, uh, at least you know the kids are going to, you can go to private school or whatever your plans are for that and and also probably save a bit of money as well. Some of the um, income protection plans have a super contribution option too. So for each month that you're off, there's a percentage of your monthly benefit added also into a super fund. So their view is, is if you're off work for a long period of time, well, you've got no money to put into your super. So then at least you've got that decent amount of money coming to you when you retire when the, when the policy expires. 
Right. And so with the stepped or level premiums, what's mm-hmm. the crossover point that currently we're seeing at the moment? Obviously, that we're seeing a lot of movement in those, uh, those level premium prices that it may actually drop uh, down. John, well, traditionally, they used to be about six to eight years. So what they were saying is in, in about six to eight years time, depending on the occupation, male, female, et cetera, um, you'd find that the, the level premium, uh, you were paying, you start off with would be the step premium would be the same as that. And then their step premium would keep getting higher and higher. But now they've, they've gone through all this repricing in the last couple of years and, and then throw in companies like uh, OnePath that don't offer the one, uh, the level premium anymore. It's, uh, I'm not sure when we'd have to work it out individually on each person. We do these, we have these uh, projections we can do. So depending on their age and, you know, the, some insured they wouldn't be insured for, we can work out when the crossover is and how much the accumulated premiums will be. And then you can decide then um, if that's the way to go. Usually the younger you are, the cheaper it's going to be. Keep in mind the figures that we use are gross. You claim as a tax deduction as well. So it potentially it could be, Sixty percent of uh, of of the of the amount of money we tell you it's going to cost you. That makes sense. And so, regarding trauma, life, and TPD, what are some of the mm-hmm. questions that you ask clients to help them decide how much cover is right for them? Okay. Well, we I have a little uh, like a little fact find, and in there I talk about you know education costs, where you want to send the kids to school, and I actually will go to the the website of the school and see what the school fees are, and I do that projection, and and say so this is how much you're going to need if you want to put you know your son or your daughter through school. Uh, we look at the debts you've required as well, and then we look at uh, income. If you can't work and you're getting only getting seventy percent from your from your income protection, how do we bridge that shortfall? And that's usually through trauma or TPD coverage. So then we I, I do an analysis then and work out okay. This is how much death cover and trauma cover and TPD cover you need to bridge that gap to meet these certain goals that you want to you want to achieve. So if you're not around, at least you know your spouse and your children are going to have a debt-free house, lump of money in the bank account for emergency purposes, uh, money in the bank to pay for school fees and, and also money put away. Uh, so some, some partners don't work and, and some may go back to work, you know, and some may be still be working. So everyone has a different situation. But we, we do a we do a... Uh, like a needs analysis and work out what you do need. And so the level premiums versus step premiums for these uh, non-income protection policies, have they, mm-hmm. been, have they been going up at the same trajectory as uh, income protection? Uh, not not as much, no. Let the death policy, the life insurance, hardly all. That's, you know, they've gone up a, a few percent if that. Um, but it's the disability, it's, it's the ability to claim. And income protection on the old policies, as I, I said initially, it's a lot easier to claim on than going forward. So that's where the issue is. If, if, you know, if people can claim a lot easier and the insurance companies, these are all guaranteed policies. They can't cancel or change the goalposts halfway through a game. So they've got to, I suppose, live it up, suck it up what they've got, really. They, they put these policies out. They've got to work with them. So they're increasing their premiums to, to shore up their reserves to make sure they don't go broke. But with going forward with the death cut, it's, you know, their premiums haven't moved much. TPD, not too much. In, uh, trauma insurance, there has been some claims, but in, not uh, not claims, increases, but not much because most of the increases on income protection have been mental health related. While under trauma cover, they don't they only cover physical issues. They don't cover non physical issues. So mental health is excluded under trauma, but there's a it's a total definition uh, for disablement for like paraplegic and stuff like that. So you're covered under that, but under uh, a mental health issue, you wouldn't be covered. Mm. And so the 
how much can the level premiums actually be raised? Because we've you know been led to believe that it would be a CPI increase, hence the level term. Um, however, we're obviously seeing significant uh, rises, yeah, which is I obviously know. the small print. But we all, no one could have predicted what the premium increases would have been for uh, income protection over the past two years. There's, I don't think there's a cap, actually, Andrew. Yeah, there is the small print that says, you know, once a generation or once in every 10 years, if we if we need to, we can increase the level rates across the board. But the way they're getting smashed with their claims in the last, you know, five to 10 years, they've, they've a lot of companies have been doing annual increases just to try and balance their books. Um, if they don't, they, they either, you know, go the way of a dinosaur or they have to merge to someone else. Yeah. And so we've talked about signing up for a new policy and the process of uh, Mm -hmm. doing that. Let's move on to reviewing an existing policy. Uh, So how often should we be looking at our policies and sitting down and, and assessing them? Yeah. Okay. Unlike, uh, like superannuation or investments where the markets move on a daily or an hourly basis. Um, with insurance, every year you've got the same amount of cover until the following and uh, to the following anniversary of policy, which then it will increase with CPI, which then also may increase some uh, premium increases as well. So we 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 don't see much happening with people's lives with kids getting too old or too much debt taken on in six to twelve months. But over a two or three year period, things can change. So usually with our existing clients, unless they want us to review earlier than that, we usually aim for that two to three year market catching up. And just seeing, you know, that little Johnny's now not nine, he's 12, so he's less dependent. The value of the house has gone up, but the debt's also gone down, so they need less cover. So we can make some adjustments then. Um, but sometimes people, you know, they want to be, they want to hear from us earlier than that, and we're happy to do that. So, but I usually say every two, three years, no longer than three years, because that is a long time, but definitely no sooner than 12 months, I don't think. And inflation and the cost of living is currently a bit out of control. Oh, what, are some of, yeah. <laughs> what are some of the ways that um, people can decrease their premiums? Okay. Well, if we're looking at income protection, um, you know, we, and it's, especially if it's an older policy too, it makes it very hard to cancel and reissue with another policy with another insurer because you'd be losing a lot of valuable features and definitions. But a lot of the things we can play around with is, is one I touched on was the waiting period. We could, you may have a 30 day waiting period. We could look at extending that to maybe a 60 or a 90 day waiting period. Um, and that's the, that's the husband and the wife if they both have it. So then they both will get that discount or the cheaper premium. Um, once again, reviewing um, some of the options on there. Some people may think, I don't need these features on there. Like we talked about the um, reinstatement option, for example, on the trauma cover. That is an option you can take off. So then that that will save you a few dollars a year. You may, you know, decrease the covers down. You may say, you know what, I'll take a risk on in the next couple of years that I won't die. So I'll only have this amount of cover or whatever you, whatever you feel that you, the need is for. So they're the real things. Are. The only issue, the only threat I have with the issue makes it hard for us is people's health changes. And you don't know when you become a diabetic or, or you're going to get cancer. So trying to plan for the next three or four or five years of maybe lowering the policy again and going to another insurer, that's fine as long as you're in good health because the insurer, if you're not in good health, you know, if you've got high cholesterol or high blood pressure or things that come through, they're going to put a loading or possibly, worst case, an exclusion on on your policy. So now you're going from a, a more expensive policy with um, full cover to a cheaper policy, but now you've got some exclusions on probably something which you were possibly going to claim for. So we've got to balance all that as well. So the best thing is, you know, we sit down and have a talk to you and just see what you what's important to you and work with that. How about in terms of, say, I go from a 30-day to a 90-day to save myself some some costs, and that was a policy yep. that was, say, pre-2020 um, when I was, you know, fit and healthy, no medical issues. What happens if I develop, say, some kidney failure over the next few months mm-hmm. um, and then I want to 
I think, okay, well, this is not good. Maybe I want to go back to a 30-day waiting time for my income protection. How does that work? Do I need to get reassessed or let the insurer know because I'm stepping back to what I previously had? Yes, you do. So the, the rule of thumb is if, if the, the risk is diminishing for the insurer, there's, there's nothing much that you have to do. So if we're going from a 30-day to a 90-day wait, um, we just virtually a letter. There's a letter saying Andrew wishes to decrease his waiting period from 30 days to 90 days. But going the other way is you're now increasing the risk of the insurer. They're going to pay out two months earlier than than what was agreed to before. So then they have the option, which they they always have the option and they will always do it, is that they will fully recess you. So financially and health-wise, they'll assess you. So if you've got now kidney problems, they'll probably say, no, nah, we won't change it. But keeping in mind the existing policy you've got, they'll they won't change those benefits either. They'll, they'll, leave, they'll say, no, nah, you're stuck on a 90-day wait. We can't do anything about it. Yep. Does that make that, sense? Yep, that makes sense. Yep. So you talked about income protection and, and changes there to decrease the policies. With the other um, ones of trauma, life, and um, TPD, are there, how mm-hmm. can people reduce those? Um, once again, TPD has options. You can, um, uh, some of them have a uh, platinum feature where they'll pay out a TPD uh, at less diagnosed, the less serious cases of a TPD. So in other words, if you're on a kidney dialysis, it's an hours-based thing. Um, they, that can, that can, as an option you can take off, you've got to pay for that. The own occupation to any occupation, you may decide, well, you know, I'll take the risk of an any occupation. The buyback cover, so you may say, okay, I've got it linked in with my death cover. If I was to have a TPD, I don't, I don't think I'd need that cover bought back for life insurance. I'll have the, you may have a million dollars of death cover, but half a million of TPD. So if you have a claim paid out successfully, you'll be left with no TPD, but only half a million of uh, death cover now. And you may say, well, that's ample. So there's a lot of little features we can play around with. Um, uh, once again, health-wise, uh, pending health, we can look at moving you to other, other companies and they may offer a like-for-like policy, but maybe 15% cheaper. Well, take that and run. You know, we can put you into that. And hopefully your health is fine. Um, if it's not, well, then we've just got to work with what we've, we've got on the existing policy and sometimes we're very limited. Right. So there's the possibility of having just a, a leaving one company, going to another company without having to do all the, um, the, the sign up process and, and, uh, blood tests. Is, is that what you said? No, no, no. So there is each time you move to another company, you would have to do all the blood tests and, and all the, the health application. Yeah. Okay. Good. I've got a number of questions now that um, uh, that listeners have have asked, and a few additional mm-hmm. ones that I've added in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are the biggest mistakes doctors make when it comes to personal insurance? Not not thinking they need as much as they really do uh, is thing. A lot of things they think. Oh, look, I, I can't see myself dying tomorrow. This is for like three or four or five years down the track, and I'll be in a better financial position. Sometimes they're not. They they end up because uh, your income's high. You end up buying investment properties or other other toys or whatever the case could be. And you do find that your your situation isn't what you think it's going to be there, and you and and you're underinsured. Um, and also the other thing is uh, cost wise as well. Sometimes uh, it's hard to look at something tan- intangible and put a price on it. And that's where sometimes I I come back and say you need say six million dollars death cover or four million whatever, and the premium is X Y Z. People go, well, I didn't expect to pay that. So we've got to play around with that as well. And so where does it make sense for doctors to have life and income protection policies inside their superannuation? Where or why? Any particular circumstances. I suppose earlier on you said it was um, for for life, it can can be done easily in there. But income protection is not going to be own occupation. 
No, correct. So um, the main reason for having inside super is, is when you're young in your 20s and 30s, now you may have other commitments like children and loans. So it just alleviates a bit of pressure on the on the cash flow because the, the, most of the doctors we deal with aren't insured for two or three or $5,000 per month. They're looking at ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 per month onwards. So that's quite expensive or could be quite perceived as quite expensive. So super does alleviate by putting 60%, roughly 60, 70% of that cost into, into super. Uh, and the other, you know, 30, 40% they, they fund themselves and get a tax deduction for. Um, that's really the, the best rule I find for putting in su- inside super. But other than that, if it's not cash flow or costing, I would always try and recommend it outside super, A, because you get bigger tax deduction, and B, you don't have to um, um, appease the trustee of a super fund to get your funds released. Have policyholders assess the, the difference between good and bad insurance companies? Um, probably Google reviews will be good because uh, you go on there and you you know Google X Y Z and you'll find out what uh, people say. And it's always you know, people who have got a gripe always complain. Very rarely you get someone saying positive stuff on there. So I suppose you can you can um, look at the who's had the worst no, the most number of bad uh, reviews. Um, or the other thing is is us. We deal with these companies every day, and I can tell you some of them are uh, atrocious to deal with. Even on an admin side, for us, it's hopeless. Like we try and get information for you, the client, and um, I like to have a 24, 48-hour turnaround for our clients. That's just, that's the service standard we expect. But sometimes my hands are tied because the insurer is taking two weeks to get back to us. So, um, yeah, the, probably if you can't find it on Google, just ask me. I, I've got no allegiance to any particular insurance company. We use a, a handful and we will always give you the best. And that's one of the things we, we consider is is uh, their claim paying ability. We've never had a claim knocked back, so I'm pretty proud of that. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that you always have the best possible we can get you. And do you have any advice for um, options for people with pre-existing medical conditions or non-medical conditions that preclude them from standard policies? Well, the, if it's an exclusion, that, that shouldn't change the premium of the policy. So all it means is that if they've got a heart, heart issue, they'll be excluded for anything related to the heart. Um, if it's a, a loading, so in other words, that will give you, they'll cover the the pre-existing medical condition, but you're paying more for it because you're not the standard risk like everyone else. So they will uh, make you pay maybe a 20, uh, 25% or a 50% or 100% loading. Now, if that's the case, as the loading goes up, the premium obviously goes up. If that gets starts making it a bit more expensive for people or they don't want to pay that much, we then go back to where we spoke about about 10 minutes ago about playing around with the options or the features in the policy and just saying, do you do you really need this or do you really need that? And, you know, some people might say, you know what, I could live without that, but I'd rather have half a loaf of bread than no loaf of bread. So let's forfeit these features. At least I've got the main cover in place if something happens. Can you actually have your policies reduced if you um, become healthier? Say someone might have hypertension, um, a high BMI and um, uh, pre-diabetes or high, high BSLs, plus also high um, lipids as well. If they suddenly go on a health kick, lose 20 kilos, their lipids come back normal, blood pressure goes away and uh, their BMI is back to a normal range. Can do, And previously, they were, would they have been loaded where now they could be get that loading removed? Yeah, 100%. So if... Uh, it's usually a one-year p- uh, waiting period for this. Like when I say waiting period, is like they want to see the, uh, usually two lots of blood tests minimum to show that there is a decrease. Sometimes it could be three blood tests, but yes, if they've been loaded uh, due to some kind of you know high cholesterol or whatever the case could be, um, yeah, uh, w- w- if they've improved that by going on because. Going on, going on the cholesterol, you know, tablets and all that stuff is not bad. That's good because you're managing the risk. It's when you don't go on anything, uh, that's when the issue is because it could be going rampant and out of control in your body. So, 
going on those and doing what you're asked to do, uh, it, you, you can have the definitely we can apply to have your loading reduced or removed, and, and that has happened in the past. Hmm. And COVID has obviously been an issue for the last uh, few years. Mm-hmm. Have we seen many cases of long COVID resulting in um, income protection payouts, or will there be any trauma payouts if uh, people do get you know significant COVID-related issues? Um, COVID, we well, it's probably still very young. We haven't personally experienced any uh, uh, COVID-related re- um, disablements uh, resulting from an income protection payout. Um, at the moment, with insurers, um, they last year and in 2020, if you had COVID, they exclude you for a year for getting insurance. I want to see what happened to you know your body, your heart, your lungs, how you were. Um, but we we uh, did insurance for a gentleman last uh, last month, and uh, the insurer we said is they want to see after one month of him cleared up. They just want to they want to do a lung function test, and if he's all okay, it's not a problem. If there if he's uh, got a, I don't know what the result will be if he has a problem still with his lungs. Um, not that he had a problem before, but obviously they test the lung function test as their benchmark of allowing the cover or not. Um, so if yeah, if he hasn't returned to normal um, stance, well then we'd have to see what the insurer comes back at. We did also just sort of as well. We did have a gentleman who had blood clots relating to being in bed for so long with COVID. Um, that when he applied for insurance after that, um, he has no COVID symptoms and COVID free, but he still had these blood clots in his uh, in his thighs. So. Um, the insurer that we use then, uh, once uh, six months after of no blood clots, and just to see how things are. So he had a test um, not long ago, and he still got the blood clots. So we're now aiming for January. Hopefully that they've they've broken up or moved on, whatever. Mm. And so, what's the process of making a claim? Uh, in general, or for COVID, yeah. or just in general? In general, um, call us. Call us. We'll do all the paperwork and running around because the last thing you want to be want to be doing is. Um, um, you know, if you're in, if you're, you know, got an issue, we'll do as much as we can. Unfortunately, we can't do all the financial stuff because that needs to be done by the accountant. And there are some things that need to be done by you, but we will try and do as much as we can and talk to you over the phone if you do, uh, have, you know, want to put a claim in, get the claim to us and then we send it to the insurer and then we'll follow it through the insurer and any issues they have, they get back to us and then we can talk to you about it. The last thing you want to do is you, you're waiting on the phone for an hour to talk to the claim department of a particular insurance company. Um, yeah, but we try and facilitate as much as we can and working with the accountant and there are, you know, if you are able to sign and fill the form in, they would prefer it to be done in your handwriting. So unless you, you've had a stroke and you're in, you know, you're in, in the hospital bed, that, there's no reason not to. But other than that, it, there's a lot of stuff that you need to do yourself and we will try and help you through that and send it through the insurer and follow it up. Hmm. How successful are income protection claims and what evidence is needed to support a claim? Um, just, Just... A medical uh, report for the condition you've got. Uh, one that just comes to mind now is one of one of the uh, income protection people we had was a 28 year old guy. He was a um, um, like a gyms mowing VIP um, antenna type of guy. He had his own business, and um, he he had a bought his ute and all that stuff and his tools, and he had nothing else. Um, I mean, no one wanted to support his income and uh, he got glandular fever and he was virtually knocked out for about 14 months and we had income protection on him. Uh, he was sent to sent to us, referred to us by a friend and I think he had a 90-day by memory because uh, being a heavy heavy labour job, his premiums are quite high and, and because of his age, he was quite young, his income wasn't high enough and he couldn't substantiate paying so much for income protection. So we looked at that sweet spot that I talked about so we decided on this type of cover with a 90-day wait. Um, so after 90 days, he, he, he 
you know, we've helped with the claim, got it through and all that stuff. And after 90 days, he, he was paid a monthly benefit. I caught up with him about a year afterwards, um, see how things were going and just to review his situation, his policy. And he said um, he was very skeptical of having income protection, but, you know, it's only because his friends told him they, he needed it. And then I, I spoke to him about it and he felt comfortable having it. But he, he said he was very skeptical, but now 100% he would uh, not have, not, not want it. He see it saved, it saved him losing his car, paid his, help pay his rent, help got him food on his pay. He didn't realize how much he needed income protection. And then he's a, it was, is a godsend, he said. And are insurance benefits taxable? Uh, possibly. Life insurance, no. Um, income protection is taxable. Um, that's because, like I said, the insurer becomes your employer. So you will get a, a pay-as-you-go um, statement or, uh, at the end of each financial year of what you've been paid. Um, some insurers take tax out, uh, but most of them will give you a statement and then you've got to pay the tax. You, hopefully, allow money to pay for it. TPD is interesting, it, depending if it's in super or not. Um, if, it, if it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't go to yourself or a dependent, it could be taxable and it could be um, tax paid as, as a capital under the capital stru- structure of it. So, yeah, so TPD, uh, trauma cover, no, there's no tax payable on trauma. So the only ones that are taxable are uh, definitely income protection and possibly a TPD payout um, if you've got it in super and it goes to a non-dependent. And do you have to pay your insurance policy while on claim? I suppose that only applies to uh, income protection, doesn't it? Um, no, not really. Um, all the insurers we use, all our clients, we um, the companies we go through of income protection, they waiver the premiums while um, while you're on claim. And also with your life insurance and TPD, there's an option you could have called waiver of premium. And that is, as it says, um, why every month that you're unable to work um, after a waiting period, um, you they will waiver the premiums for you. So what we'll give an example on a TPD claim is you have a TPD claim and you've got some life insurance as well, regardless if it's linked together or not, um, you've had the TPD paid out, um, they will then um, pay the TPD out, obviously, but then they'll waiver the, for the rest of the term of the policy any uh, any premiums due on on um, the insurance side. Whether you go back to work in a couple of years or not, it's just part of the policy, and that's one of the features we use in one of the companies. Right. Okay. I assumed it was only for the income protection one, so that, that's really interesting. No, no, no. Yeah, you can get, you can get, out on any, get out on any of the lump sum policies as well. And if someone has accrued a significant period of paid sick leave, is there a point in taking out trauma insurance? Well, trauma insurance is really to give you a lump sum upfront, um, tax-free. So depending on how much sick leave you have, um, depending if the, uh, most businesses probably wouldn't be able to afford to pay it all out to you upfront. Um, but sick leave is really just to to cover your, your your income while you're off sick for a period of time. While trauma insurance will give you a hundred thousand, half a million, whatever tax-free paid on diagnosis. No waiting period paid on diagnosis of um, the issue that you have, and that can that's tax free. That can be used for anything. You could uh, pay off debt, medical costs. You may have to fly to Sydney for an operation. Um, take the wife and kids, or the husband and kids, on a holiday. Whatever you know, it's your money. You can do your decision. Yep, that's great. And so, loaded question now. A number of mm-hmm. insurance co- companies have uh, allowed clients to buy insurance directly with the company. Mm-hmm. What are the benefits of having an insurance advisor um, on your behalf rather than going direct? Okay. Well, going direct is like ringing, um, ringing your bank or ringing a tax office. You'd be on hold for a long period of time possibly. We are advocates. We will work for you. We do all the claims. And if there's anything um, dodgy with the claim, doesn't look, doesn't look good, 
um, we will then um, work on your behalf with the insurer to make sure it's paid out if we can. It could be a, a slight issue. Uh, an example that comes to mind was a uh, the old ING before they came one path. Um, a client of ours was insured for trauma insurance under one of their products and he I caught up with them for a review and his business partner said, oh, tell, tell Graham about your, um, your heart attack you had when you're on hollows in Vanuatu. And, uh, and I saw, you know, then he, he goes, oh, well, I didn't die. I didn't tell a claim. I said, well, no, you got trauma insurance and explain what it was. And he goes, oh, okay. And he was very, he didn't think he would get a claim. And I said, no, no, let's, let's go for it. So it was a lot of work involved because we had to get his doctor report from Vanuatu and stuff like that. Anyway, I sent it through to the insurer and one, one ING at the time, uh, they knocked back his claim. And uh, and I was really annoyed about that because I couldn't work out why it was knocked back. And, and uh, you know, I was, we'd never had a claim knocked back and that would have been my first one. And I, I felt like I let the client down. So I had one of those those, those uh, 3 a.m. in the morning moments when you're lying in bed at 3 a.m. and you go, oh, my God, I, I should have checked this. And what it was was his policy was taken out in 2007, 2008 under uh, – uh, they caught I think they called it One World back then or One Care. And then about 2011, they changed to – they changed the product and the features and definitions to – to one world. So it's one care to one world or one world to one care. I can't remember. It's something like that. So I thought, oh, he's under the old one. I wonder if there's any differences in the uh, the, the definition. So I couldn't wait to get to work that morning, pulled out the old PDS because I keep copying for the old PDSs, went through the definition. And under that definition, he was eligible for a payout while under the new current version, he wasn't. So then I ring back claims that day and couldn't wait to talk to him and uh, they weren't that rat, but uh, they go, oh, okay, yep, no worries, fair enough. And he, he got his payout. So it was, uh, it was, that was quite good actually. Well, so, respectively, he yes. got the payout. Yeah. So, yeah. So as long as you're insured for that period of time, doesn't matter how far ahead you, you have, you put the claim in, you, you still get it. So that's one thing that we can do is we work on your behalf as your advocate to get the insurance. We also give you the advice on how much you should be. So you're not underinsured or overinsured. The last thing you want to do is you, you have a stab in the dark, say, I need this amount of cover. And then when you do pass away, uh, your spouse and your children are thinking, my God, you know, it's, it's not enough there. I've never known a widower to have too much money, let me tell you that. But um, I've known a few that wish the, their partners had more. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. We can never have too much, can you? It's one of those nah, things. No, no, yeah. no, never. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time to share your wealth of knowledge with us today. Um, if listeners oh. would like to have a chat with you about their insurance or circumstances, how can they connect with you? No, no problems, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. It's great. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to have a, a private chat or catch up and have a chat, um, no, there's no obligation, no cost initially. Um, my phone number is, uh, like I said, one eight hundred invest. So you just you know dial invest on your phone or the oh eight eight two six seven two thousand is our office number. The my email to me directly is Graham G R A E M E at hedges H E D G E S hyphen asset planning A double S E T P L A double N I N G dot com no au and um and uh yeah give us a ring or give us an email whatever and uh, if you're over in melbourne sydney you know queensland perth whatever there could be a possibility we could catch up face to face uh eventually anyway so i always like to meet who we deal with fantastic i'll put those um uh, phone numbers and contact details in the show notes for guys to to get in contact with you if they uh, would like to to take the next step Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing your, your information with us today. I've learned a lot, actually. Oh, that's <laughs> that's I didn't that's even good. know. Oh, well, thank you, Andrew. And thanks for everyone listening. Hopefully someone out there gets some, um, you know, gives them some ideas and something and they didn't realize and feel free to give us a ring. Excellent. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, mate. No, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review. If you learned something new, please share the episode with your family and friends. 
Stay updated with the cool things I have planned by heading over to medicalmoney.com and subscribe to my mailing list. Finally, this podcast is not financial advice and all opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own. Please seek professional advice before making any financial or investment decision.